us almost the weekend. Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> oh, it's good to be here. It's good to hear your voice, Joe Tool. It always mm. uh, puts me in a merry mood when you sing. Yeah, which is barely ever. <laughs> How you been, dude? I've been pretty good. Yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, loving the good weather, loving the vibes. We're coming up on Christmas and starting to feel a little bit like like a holiday, which is which is good. So uh, yeah, should be should be good. How are you doing, man? I'm I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm in a similar frame of mind. Um, I got a got a bit of a triptych of trash to talk you through this week. Oh, um, okay. Although oh, trash is a bit harsh, actually, it's not trash. But I just uh, I just been playing a couple of video games. I got that. Yeah. I got that Xbox Game Pass going on. And, Dude, you've been uh, chewing on the. What did I say? You were sucking the marrow that is the bone of Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I have been doing exactly that. Um, yeah. And it and it feels great to um, you know it's a very different experience. There's no sunk cost because you haven't bought any of these games. Like if the game's not good enough for you or you don't like it, you just stop and move on to something else. And that's mm, like mm. that's real nice. But there are a lot of games that I've I've missed over the years, and I I finally had access to them. Super excited to to get my dirty mitts onto them. Um, and for one reason or another, they've just been super disappointing. Oh no. Um, so let me, let me start you with our, uh, first trashy pick, which is, uh, Forza Horizon 4. So oh. my, my God, I, uh, I bought an Xbox for Forza Horizon 3. Big yeah. fan, big fan of a, a solid racing game. Um, the driving in, in the Forza Horizon series is just so fucking slick it feels satisfying it's less arcadey than like need for speed but mm. it's way more fun than say gran turismo right um and it it like this fourth entry it's based in the uk super cool but my god it is the best worst game i've ever played whoa so, so like the driving is incredible when you're driving it it looks amazing cornering the sheer amount of cars the fact that you can choose any type of car for any type of race and like the algorithm will just pick uh cars from that same category for you to race against it's all it's all very smooth when you're doing the actual racing but literally every single thing surrounding the driving is garbage oh no Oh my god, it's so bad. The menus, the pacing, the animations, the voice acting. There are ads in the loading screen. Oh. It's oh my god, it's just a fucking mess. And it's such a pity because like I, you know, when you start that game off, speaking of games that have a really good first hour, Forza Horizon 4's first hour is fucking magnificent. In the first like 15 minutes you've driven a bunch of different cars you've driven in every season on the map it's just it really kind of glides you in and you're like hell yeah and then it like removes the veil and it's like so here's the actual game and it's a bunch of stuttering menus and bad voice (laughs) actors and like whenever someone talks there's this wait signal like, you can't even use the controller while someone's talking and they're talking about shit you don't care about because you're yeah. not driving. You're in a menu listening to someone talking. And it's just like, it's one of these games where you play it and you're like, did anyone on the production team actually play this game for five yeah. minutes? Because yeah. this is some glaring bullshit. Uh, anyway, to maybe curb my, my rant frame of mind that I'm slipping into there, do you have a... Do you have a video jam you want to talk about to, to kind of interlude my triptych yeah. of trash <laughs> um, before you like completely fly off the rail the <laughs> oh I can tell God. you're about to start like screaming and swearing <laughs> it's like I could feel it too we caught it though yeah. you know it's all yeah, about you yourself it's all about self-awareness what have you been what have you been playing dude <laughs> <laughs> um dude speaking of racing games i was getting into some racing games as well mm. i haven't i haven't played racing games in a hot minute 
Right. And um, so it's a bit confusing though, because like, okay, Need for Speed, right? Mm -hmm. They released a game called Need for Speed Heat in 2019. Oh, I thought that was uh, an older one. That's like the cops, the cops chasing one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I remember playing that as a kid. Maybe it was called something different. I could have sworn it was Heat. Anyway. Here begins the beginning, or here starts the beginning of the uh, confusion, right? Like, I thought Need for Speed Heat was the new one. Oh, right. But there's a different one. It's called Need for Speed Unbound. Ooh. Ooh la, and la. in Need for Speed Unbound, you get a, a heat meter. <laughs> 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 wow, they didn't, they didn't give you an unbound meter? That's silly. No. I, <laughs> they're always talking about heat in that game. And so I was like, hell yeah, I'm enjoying playing this Need for Speed Heat game. It's not heat, it's unbound. I was playing it at work after, you know, getting all my duties done for the day or whatever and just chilling. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, hell yeah, this is great. I'm going to download this when I get home tomorrow night or whatever and, and play it in the evening. Mm-hmm. I get home, open up the Xbox Game Pass. Um, it's a, it's actually an EA game, which is also even more confusing. It makes you download the, the EA launcher. Oh, no. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. Uh, yep, uh, I'll get this game Need for Speed Heat. And it's on there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's free and uh, I was like okay cool so I downloaded it it took a while because I'm not at work and the internet is slow at home mm-hmm. um, and I started playing it and I was like this is a this is so different like the graphics are different maybe like and it was like making me replay the first level which I was like okay maybe the cloud save wasn't on the right account or something I don't know there was like some weird technical stuff that I thought was going on but uh-huh. then I, I got to the point where I had to select my character and I was like in in Need for Speed um Unbound, there's like five characters to pick between. And in Need for Speed Heat, there's like 20 characters to select. (laughs) This is a different game. And the graphic style is completely different. And so I was like, what the fuck? And I was on like a Discord call with some friends being like, hey, have you guys heard of Need for Speed Heat? The one with the like, you know, tune graphics. And they're like, nah, I'm pretty sure that's a different one, dude. Oh my God. But I was like, no, no, that's Heat. They didn't like try to persuade me or anything. They just like let me go on. Oh One of the people God. who I was talking to works at EA. And they oh didn't my pers- God. Oh my God. <laughs> I think they just like wrote me off. You know, they're like, oh, he's, he's crazy. He <laughs> he's crazy. He's H- hasn't played a racing game in a decade. He's off it's the rails. True. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was losing it, man. And then like, yeah, so I was like, oh, okay, cool. What, What's the deal? And then I went back on the EA page and searched for Need for Speed and found Unbound, which isn't on the front. Like, oh my God, it's so confusing. And so <laughs> I've downloaded that again and I'm yet to play it. I'd like to play some tonight. But yes, I was really enjoying Need for Speed Unbound. Right. Um, they did a whole rework on the visual style. It's sort of got this like flat shading, but it's also kind of hyper real with the lighting and the characters are all tuned shaded. And cool. uh, the dialogue is good um, and, well, not good, but it's, you know, better. They don't make you sit through lengthy cutscenes that you can't skip. You can just, it's just audio that you hear over the top of the, whatever menu you're in, which right. I thought was cool. So like, you know, if you want to do stuff in the menu and they want to expose at you at the same, or, you know, give you dialogue at the same time, then you can listen or you can just skip it. Um, Lovely. Yeah. And the intro level was great. And the first like few things that I did were really cool. Um, it has like this neat thing where like, this is probably in the other games too, but, um, after you get in a chase with the cops, uh, sorry, after you finish an event or whatever, you have money on you. And if you Mm -hmm. get chased by the cops, they like steal all that money from you. And so you Uh, need to like drive back to your safe house or whatever to deposit the money and then be safe. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And so I can see like, you know, as you progress in the game, your heat meter is going up and up and the cops are getting better and better. And you're trying to just get your money back to your safe house but yeah so i can see it being really cool oh um, i i love that kind of like it's kind of like um that gameplay mode in titanfall 2 i think it was yes. called bounty where you got yes. the you got the cash and it like creates all this tension because you got to get it to a safe spot yeah dude that was one of my favorite modes i wish there was more people playing that mode uh, at the Legit. time because the shit was so good I'm pretty sure that mode was actually called Heat. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I can't wait for Unbound in Titanfall 3. That mode is going to (laughs) kill. Yeah, that mode is so good. (laughs) Uh, Very good. Um, Sorry, just one sec. I'm just checking something. Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. Because, okay, so a little bit of info for the listener. I'm on a phone right now and I'm not on my PC, but I'm recording this on my PC. And so I'm all like paranoid about the inputs and stuff because it's not my normal setup. 
Yeah, where Joe Joe is internetless right now. Yeah, I'm, with, I'm without the web, and it's very yeah. confronting. Yeah, he's um, isolated, been cut off from modern society. Yeah, yeah, it was like right as I got off the phone with the ATO as well, it was just like, you know, internet gone, you're hungry, you need to record a podcast, <laughs> the dog is barking. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, oh. yeah. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I played Nipper Speed uh, Unbound, Unbound, and um, what else did I play? Um, I feel like I played, oh, I, I played our game of the month for the, um, for December. Oh yeah. Shout out to Sayonara Wild Hearts. Sayonara um, Wild Hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, well. Slow your roll, homie, because I, I haven't played it yet, but let's let's yeah. save it for the big unload at the totally. end of December. Yeah, but um, yeah, I won't save any opinions or anything, but I demolished that game, man. I went in a couple of sessions, I finished it, so. Right. So, how, yeah. how long would you say you played it for? It's not a very long game. It's probably only a couple of hours. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, very yeah. keen to jump into that. And maybe it's going to be like a nice palate cleanser. Um, after the other two games that make up my triptych of trash. Oh um, no, he's going back in. <laughs> <laughs> one of which is Ori in the Blind Forest. Oh, that, uh, that's the new one? No, that's uh, Will of the Wisps. Yeah, so this is the original one. Um, right. And been on, been on my radar since it came out. You know, beautiful art style. I, I've listened to the soundtrack for years without ever playing it. Mm. Um, and you know, I hear it's a solid Metroidvania and all that. Um, but man, what a, what a shocker of a first hour. One of, wow. oh, just, just terrible, really handholdy mm. and like so much dialogue. And yeah, I don't know if it was like a mood thing, but I was just not feeling it. Um, and you know, they, they slowly introduce everything to you and it's very kind of stilted and slow moving. And I, f- I found the combat really unsatisfying. I don't, yeah. I don't know if this is something that's like, I don't know. It just, it just felt terrible to me. Like the combat is basically you're like this little creature and you have like an orb that floats above you and you, you mash a button and the orb auto aims on enemies around you. So you don't really need to worry about you know your positioning as much as you might if you know you had like a whip or a sword or you know something that has um like a range like the range for this orb is is really big and uh, yeah you just walk around and like mash the button and it like defeats enemies for you and like i was i was going through the options thinking i had like turned on some accessibility thing that turns the combat off but this is just the way the game is it was really weird um and so yeah that that wasn't exactly a nice intro and uh i kept going because like i wanted to like it you know i wanted to like it so much um because yeah like i say the art style is beautiful and the music Mm. is great um and i found the level design to be like pretty precise but man yeah the movement just did not click for me it felt um, like it feels good walking around, but like doing wall jumps and, uh, you know, jumping over gaps and that kind of thing. I don't know. It just it just felt like it was so tightly designed. So you would just make every jump. Right. And the effect that had, had on me was like, oh, OK, you know, this this level design is really kind of. Um, yeah, like I said, precise. And so I would be trying to make all these jumps that I don't think you could make and I'd just not make them. And I'd be like, oh, you know, I just made all those other jumps. So maybe I'm doing something wrong. And yeah, I just, I just felt like it wasn't really that fun. It just kind of felt like hard work. Yeah, dude. Um, That's, I know that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not, um, yeah. Dude, that and, great. And one that we've both been playing, uh, grounded. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Not on the not on the trash cavalcade, but it's a uh, yeah. Cool. Let's little... have another interlude. Yeah. <laughs> another little interlude for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So dude, tell I've been me... really in, enjoying playing grounded. Yeah. Totally. What What do you like about it? Um. 
I really like the sense of exploration in that game. Um, mm -hmm. You can sort of just head off in a direction and see what you come across. And there's almost always like a surprise, you know, they'll be like, oh, a big spider, I can't progress. Or like, oh, a big body of water. I don't know if I can swim across this or what's on the other side. I don't know. What's at the bottom of the water? Mm. And so there's just like, you know, it sort of pulls you along in all these different directions. And all the while there's like a you know crafting and base building and um, co-op element to it as well. That makes the whole thing sort of, yeah, just a fun little romp around in, a, in the backyard. Uh, mm -hmm. Reminds me a little bit of other games of a similar ilk, you know, like other crafty survival games. But I like yep. this one's like lighthearted approach. Like normally those games are like the forest or whatever, like you're trapped in the forest and there's cannibals everywhere, bro. Everything's gritty. <laughs> Whereas this one's like, nah, man, there's ladybugs and, you know there's uh everything's made out of acorns now so yeah so it's uh it's it's like a light sort of fun experience instead of a harrowing weird you know try hard experience totally and um if if you haven't heard of grounded it's it's like a four player you're a bunch of kids that get shrunk to a tiny size and you're in the backyard of your house um yeah. so the whole the whole game kind of is based in the backyard and you're really small you know yeah, you're like tiny. the si size of an ant yeah um and so the the spiders and stuff that joe talk about is is fucking they're horrifying they're really well animated and like as they move they kind of um like move the grass to the side mm. so like if you're looking up and you see the grass moving, there might be like some big spider coming your way. And like for me, who has a history of being pretty scared of spiders, it's uh, it's definitely had its moments where I'm running, there's a spider chasing me, the synth music is yeah. banging in my ears, <laughs> and I'm just like, music? oh my god. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Def definitely some climactic stuff going on in that lighthearted game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of, I think it's an, a neat balance that it works where, like, I think we we add our own amount of tenseness to a lot of the situations, which I find really fun. Yeah. And also yeah. just, like, the surprise of seeing a, a new creature, you know, like, you saw that lizard last time we played. I didn't even see the lizard, but it sounded mm. sick. Hmm. Or you'll see, yeah. like, a, a bee, or you see baby spiders for the first time, or, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that you come across, and it just seems to be, like, continually upping that ante of, like, okay, there's a new area, new new creatures, uh, new things for you to research. Um, yeah, the, the the flow in that game that it puts you in is really cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I've been really enjoying Grounded. Hell yeah, great shout out. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, uh, blast through my final, my final piece of trash and we'll move on to the news, shall we? Sure, sounds excellent. Um, so, I have been playing Far Cry 5. Oh, um, now this is a bad game. There's no, <laughs> there's no other way to say it. This is not a good game by uh -oh. by any means. Um, the open world is so poorly implemented; it's mind boggling. So mm. like a big a big draw for for me with the Far Cry games is just that kind of that element of chaos that comes about when you've got this kind of open world sandbox and a bunch of baddies and a bunch of animals and like, yep. you know, everything attacks you in Far Cry and it's, it's very fun. And like, you know, a million, a million eons ago, Far Cry 3 was my favorite game for a while. Yeah, there. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I got, I got some nostalgia coming in here. Um, and just coming into this game, I actually don't know when Far Cry 5 came out. Um, but getting around to it now, I can see, I, I, I don't, I, this is pure speculation, but I feel like I can see what the dev team wanted to do. And then like the producers or the executives of the studio came in and said, nah, we're gonna, we're gonna play it safe. So like mm. the game has a really compelling start. One thing the Far Cry games do really well is just their opening cutscenes that introduce the villain. It's usually the most time you get to spend with the villain in the whole game. It happens in the first 10 minutes. It's, it's usually pretty good. And, it, and it's good here. Um, and, like, what ends up happening is, like, you have, you have a helicopter crash and you're running away from the baddies. And that's how the game starts. You know, that's yep. kind of how you're, you're let loose in the world. And I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Like, I'm just out now and they're, you know... They're shooting after me and I'm, I'm running through the open world. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, you meet this dude who just fucking unloads all this exposition on, onto you for like 15 minutes. And then you finally get out into the open world and they do this thing and you're like, oh my God, I think they've played Breath of the Wild. Because they're like, all right, there are these three baddies and they have their three areas and you just need to go out into the world and interact with it. And then eventually you piss those baddies off enough and then you'll like enter right. like a boss phase or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my God, it's just like Breath of the Wild. You know, it's an actual open world. It's not like some linear story on an open world map. It's actually you get to go and just interact with a bunch of shit. So... I went through the honestly pretty good uh, accessibility menus and I turned everything off, you know, no mini-map, no quest marker, no compass, no nothing. Um, and I get out there and, oh my God, the things they do to lock you into portions of the map is so dumb. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you speak to a character, you don't have to accept their mission, but if you speak to some characters, it just automatically... Uh, kind of assigns you to the mission oh. and you can't leave the mission area. And like, if you do, you don't just keep driving off into the open world. The game reloads and puts you back at the start of the mission. So what you've got to do is go into a menu, exit the mission. And then when you press exit, it's like, do you want to exit this mission and load the open world? Ugh. And it's what? just, it's just like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. r- rather than having these, like, things you can do in the open world, it's like, all right, so you're engaging with this piece of content. We're going to lock you into, like, yeah. 200 square meters and, you know, we're going to reload the game if you leave, if you leave that area. Yeah. And it's just uh. like, oh my God, like, you guys were so close and... Yeah. You've actually put more effort into making this a worse experience for someone who just like <laughs> wants to go and explore. I, um, I I played this game and I don't remember that, but yeah, that sounds really messed up. Oh my god! And every character knows exactly what you're doing at all times. So like, you know, every time you drive past something new, like a shrine or something, rather than you like being like, oh my god, what the hell is this? Someone, like, pipes up on the phone and they're like, that's a shrine, you can destroy it. And it's like, dude, Uh... shut the fuck up and let me, like, figure things out. And it's just, (laughs) it's a really weird tone because this is is a game for adults. That game starts, everyone dies, they say fuck 40 times, and I'm like, (laughs) all right, this is cool. We don't need to, you know, pander to the minds of children. And it's just like, man, I feel like I haven't had a game that does such a poor job of respecting the player's intelligence. It's just like, (laughs) you are not going to notice any basic patterns that you need to fucking survive as a human being. We need to guide you through absolutely everything. And like, this is with all the tutorial stuff turned off in the accessibility options. Like, you just can't get away from it. It's like Ubisoft was so scared that you might for one second not understand what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And there are ads Ugh. in the menu. All right, that's my rant. Are there ads I'm, in that menu too? There's ads in the menus. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm good. That's that's my triptych. That's my triptych of trash. Okay, okay. Very good, very good. I like how fired up you get towards the end of the <laughs> I'm so glad we did the interludes because, like, if I'd just gone from one game to the other... <laughs> Like, people would think I'd be out there hunting down, like, Far Cry 5 employees or some shit. Like, yeah, it, would, yeah. it would just yeah, get I'm too gonna much. I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> um, uh, dude, have you been keeping up with Chainsaw Man? Uh, no. Okay. No. I, um, I watched the third or fourth episode whenever it came out. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's not really my thing but i would like watch it with phoebe because she's like yeah. super into it but yeah she just hasn't been watching it so i haven't oh cool uh i was gonna talk about the most recent episode with you but that's okay we'll do a maybe when the whole series comes out um i'll do a run rundown on my thoughts and feelings yeah that'd be cool um i mean if you want to spoiler free talk about some shit then by all means um well I don't know if I can. Episode 8 has a lot that goes on in it, and uh, I can't really say too much without being like, and then Gandalf dies, you know? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, well, everyone who's seen episode eight right now is smirking and they're like, oh my God, it's so juicy. Yes, it was a little juicy. Um, yeah, right. I was really, really proud of what they did in the episode out. I thought it was fully sick. Dude, cool. do you have any news for me? Some chicken wings? Yeah, bro. Um, so this this week was a bit hard for me to like come up with interesting news. There just was nothing I could find that, uh, you know, was worthy of this podcast. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I got a, I got a couple of things. These I feel like they're all bag chips, but we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with the punches. <sighs> bag chip number one. Uh, we got a former Bioware employee. Uh, they used to make videos after a game's release using all the in-game assets. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, their, their name is Violet McVinney, and they would throw together a cut of the ending showing what would happen if all the characters kissed and made up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Violet McVinney released this amazing video of Shepard Mackinon with the elusive man, and it's just fantastic. It's, mm-hmm. like, extremely funny. Have you seen this video? I saw a little bit of it, but I didn't watch all of it. Oh, my God. It's, it's like, a minute long, and, like, Shepard's running through the fire and flames past all of his friends to fucking patch the elusive man, and it's just... <laughs> it's especially after the, the endings that we got for that third game, like, this is, this is where mm. it's at for me. <laughs> yeah nice I'm, it's amazing that they did they allow her to release this or them to release this or what happened do you know oh i have no idea i figure it's just been long enough that no one cares yeah um, uh, but yeah maybe maybe the nda ended you know maybe it was like a 15 year nda and I, I don't know i've never signed an nda do they have a time limit i don't know <laughs> i never read an nda no sometimes they do but it's it's usually like um in perpetuity or just like for as long as the project is in existence and all that sort of stuff right okay so okay. um yeah it's weird to me that they a company like bioware would allow anyone to have anything from the project that's not official you know sanctioned content be allowed out um properties are usually pretty pretty um you know hands-on when it comes to that stuff so i'm surprised yeah yeah but um yeah it's out there it's cool though yeah go watch it's it it's out there go watch it uh back number two uh, for, for your thirsty Splinter Cell plans, uh, fans, uh, the BBC has funded a Splinter Cell radio play. Dude, uh, this is the second time you're telling me about a radio play in, in, like, so many episodes. I know, it's weird, isn't it? I don't know why yeah. this is happening, but, uh, obviously, like, I mean, audiobooks have taken off, so maybe, like, video game IP-related radio plays is the next big thing. That just sounds wrong coming out of my mouth, but whatever, it, it's, it, it's a thing. <laughs> You never um, know. Uh, and it's out now, and all eight episodes are on the BBC. And it's just interesting that after all these years, where, because, like, I, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like Splinter Cell is fucking solid as hell. That series, yeah. that series was always pretty great. Um, I, I tended to play those games pretty close to release when they came out, at least the first few. Um, and I always remember being really impressed. So, like, it's weird that that IP just sits there and no one's deciding to make money with it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I guess radio plays are all good. It, it's such a weird sentence. Like BBC have released a you know several part <laughs> radio play on the Splinter Cell series. <laughs> like what a, what a timeline. Um, but and it, also it's Tom Clancy, so maybe he has some like rights on like what people are allowed and not allowed to do with the series. And so you know yeah, I think it's true. wrapped up in its video game form. Wait, maybe it's not. I feel like I saw someone talking about Splinter Cell as well the other day. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, <laughs> cool. I, I won't listen to it, but I'm sure it's good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is what I mean. Like, I was I was searching for so long for some news that was that was decent. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, to round this bad boy off, famed IP Goncharov, uh, made famous by Martin Scorsese's 1973 oh, gangster movie of the same Goncharov. title, yes. uh, has inspired a game jam. So, uh, the Gontrov Game Jam games will be live by the time this episode airs. Oh, uh, no way. That's yep. fast. You can check them out uh, on itch.io. I mean, itch.io. I always read that as itch.io. Yeah, same. It's all right. Uh, yeah, g- jump on itch.io. Look at them games. Uh, play those games. We like, we like Gontrov. We like, we like some internet communities. 
Yes, yes. Um, yeah, Goncharov is a really interesting byproduct of the whole Twitter explosion, the migration to Tumblr uh, phenomenon. Right, right. Is that is that something you've noticed anecdotally, like a lot of the people you follow jumping off Twitter? To be honest, no. I think there's a lot of people who were like, goodbye forever, Twitter, and then like, you know, a week later, they're like, oh, hey, everyone, I'm still tweeting, I'm still on my bullshit. But without <laughs> even mentioning the fact that they're still back, you know, just like, just back to regularly scheduled programming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know, dude. I don't know what's going on. The internet's a weird place. <laughs> um, I, so, uh, so that's the three-piece I, feed, baby. I got a couple of bag chips for you here. Oh, sick. Yes. Thank God. I was, I was feeling, <laughs> feeling God. light. Feeling light in my pockets. Um, they're really small and they're just uh, release related. So uh, the Callisto Protocol releases today. Oh hell yeah! So that's so, that's yeah. gonna be out. Um, I I saw that the the main protagonist's name is Isaac. Oh, is like, it? Oh. I was like, that's playing it pretty strong. <laughs> that's really bold. Um, yeah. 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 So I'm I'm really keen on this one. I reckon I'm gonna I'm gonna go pick it up at lunch or after work or something indulge yeah cool indulge yeah go sling some of my hardened clams at jb hi-fi sweet um or just download it um and then warhammer dark tide released yesterday and oh. this is the next uh cooperative squad based uh sort of horde shooter game oh yeah um, it's most similar to games like Left 4 Dead. Do you remember Left 4 Dead? Oh my god, I love Left 4 Dead. That was one of the the first games you showed me. Of, oh wow! Of, yeah. That's one of the first games I played of that generation, actually. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, and fuck yeah, love love that game. I remember you had like there were two Left 4 Deads, right? I think you had both yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was. We just smashed through them. They were they were so much fun. Dude, Left 4 Dead 2 was a weird anomaly. Like, it had that whole, like, ratings issue in Australia where, like, you couldn't buy the game, but you could import it. Mm. And so my copy of Left 4 Dead 2 had, like, Japanese lettering all over the disc. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's on Game Pass, so Warhammer Dark Tide is on Game Pass, so go snatch that up and shoot some, I don't know, uh, rat people, whatever's in the Warhammer universe with your friends. Sounds yeah. like a good time. Yeah, man, I don't know anything about Warhammer, hey. I just know, I just know, like, when you go to, like, a role-playing shop, there's the D&D community and the Warhammer community, and, like, yeah. that's it. They just dwarf every other community in that yeah. arena. Yeah, yeah. I did play a little bit of Warhammer once when I was at Gree. There was a dude who hosted our D&D sessions, and then we tried Warhammer for a couple of weeks, and it was, it was actually pretty cool. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember much about it, but I remember having a weird character and, uh, and that's about it. He was like a, I don't know. He had like candles on his head. Yeah. All the, <laughs> all the stuff in Warhammer is pretty weird, weird and wacky. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. That's very attractive yeah. to me, to me at least. Yeah. Uh, and that's all the bag chips I have. So. Speaking of things that are attractive to me, um, what's our topic this week, Joe? <laughs> our topic this week is... Uh, rhythm games. Ooh, I'm um I'm excited because this is a bit of a throwback for us to episode two. Yeah, music and video games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember. I remember you. You had a whole spiel. Um, yeah. On on rhythm games. So yeah, I'm I'm keen to dive a little deeper. Yes, I don't remember my spiel. I hope I don't repeat myself. I don't think I will. There's a lot of information here that I specifically learnt for this topic. So. Oh, sick. Yeah, no, I don't yeah. remember what you said either. It's all it's all going to be new to me, baby. Yes, excellent. Um, so yeah, I've got a I've got a bit of a timeline here and some some stuff um, that happens on the timeline and some cool little anecdotal oh not anecdotes but some cool little stories to go along with it. So shall we just dive on in? Hell yeah, take me on a ride. I'm just going to take a sip of water, so just give me one sec. He's just lubricating his throat. We'll wait <sighs> patiently. Yes, we'll <laughs> lubricate the throat. <clears throat> so, when you think of uh, rhythm games, what do you think of? What, what comes to mind? Sekiro. Sekiro, okay. Um, are there elements to rhythm games that you think are, must be present in order for them to be considered a rhythm game, or it's just kind of anything that requires... Yeah, mm, go for it. Tell me what you think. I, I think... Mm, that's a great question. 
Uh, yeah, so Sekiro is <laughs> the first game I think of, and I think what makes it a rhythm game is obviously, uh, like, pressing buttons to a rhythm, but also, like, I think at the forefront for me would be, like, the sound design. Like, mm-hmm. using the parrying in Sekiro as an example, when, you know, you can just hold your sword up and block attacks and you lose posture, which is, like, an invisible health bar that you have. Um, and that enemies have, but when you parry, you get this really satisfying, like high pitched ching sound. And it's like communicated to you that you've done it perfectly. You know, you're learning the rhythm of this enemy and you did that bit perfectly. And you just need to remember how to do that in the future. And so I think rhythm games for me, like there's usually a pretty high difficulty to begin with, because when you first start, you're not going to know anything. Um, I, I guess the most important thing for me would be like pressing buttons to a rhythm defined by the game. Yep. And like what makes a rhythm game satisfying is like overcoming the challenge, getting it right and hearing like the sound of victory, you know, like with those Sekiro parries, it's like, ching, you're like, oh yeah, I'm good at this game. This is, this has given me the good brain chemicals. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah, you're pretty much spot on. I mean, the things that I have listed here that, uh, rhythm games must consist of Mm -hmm. is, uh, music, Mm -hmm. uh, and that can be sound, uh, dance, uh, which can be, you know, input, you know, like using your fingers to press buttons in time. Mm-hmm. and uh plastic instruments oh of course the wait not garage band what's it called um guitar hero guitar hero yeah yeah, yeah rock band rock band yeah yep yep which yep. we'll get into later there's a really interesting bit of history with those um so yeah uh, and plastic instruments in, in the case of Sekiro is just the controller so you know there you go those mm-hmm. are the three things and mm-hmm. you can kind of make all the sorts of different applications for those as well but yeah so that those are the first three things that sort of I wanted to touch on that there's like you know elements to rhythm games that need to be present in order for them to be considered as such so yeah. the first ever rhythm game as far as we can tell as far as the video essays that I watched talking about this could tell were, <laughs> uh, in 1987 on the NES there was a game that came with a mat you know like one of a, those dancing mats oh um, yeah called dance studio Mm-hmm. And uh, this was like an aerobics game where like the little dancing lady on the screen would do an action and then you would have to mirror it in, on your uh, dance pad. Oh, cool. Um, and so I don't think it was like super punishing to like not be on time or not be in rhythm or, and I don't think there was like a whole heap of, you know, you know, music that you were trying to dance in rhythm to, but mm-hmm. they sort of, you know, they put it down as this because it's like, it has a lot of the elements, um, present it's just a little bit more gentle i suppose than some of the other rhythm games mm, yeah um in 1996 which is quite a while between drinks for the old rhythm game genre in 1996 a studio called nana onsha released parappa the rapper mm, huge huge yes. release did you ever play parappa nah but uh i see it referenced all the time um just from like a design perspective and like an innovation perspective like apparently you know that that game was financed on uh you know the idea that i i don't know i'm kind of rambling but like (laughs) yeah from from everything i can tell no one was asking for that game yeah no one was ready to finance a game like that Um, totally You're, you're you're on the mark you're on the mark and um, it just it it landed and it it had an impact. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, they they released Pillar Up in 1996. Uh, Matsuya Masura, who is the game director, said that it was inspired. I was inspired to make it because of how big music videos were getting at the time on MTV. Oh um, yeah, which yeah. seems a little bit early for MTV for me, 1996. But maybe I'm just I don't remember. I was too young or whatever. But it must have been popping off. Um, yeah, for sure. And so uh, the publisher Sony, uh, or the, the people who were working at Sony at the time, were playing the game and, and thinking, like, before it had released and saying stuff to him, like, this is not a game, you know, <laughs> like, no one is going to be interested in this. This is, you know, like you said, there was a lot of doubt around 
for rapper. Mm, uh, yeah. and, and he, even Matsuya had his doubts. Like he, he, he was, you know, unsure about whether or not it would be financially viable. And he was just, you know, thinking this would be a flop or that it would release it and then move on. But it sold 1.4 million copies worldwide. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, it was a, 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 you know, like a global success. And it sort of proved out the, the concept of what a rhythm game could be. And it laid the foundation for a lot of the stuff to come with regards to pressing buttons on a controller in time to a song. Right. And let's not forget, this is nearly 30 years ago. Like 1.4 million copies back then is positively fucking huge. For it's the massive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then so uh, shortly after that, in 1996, the year after, Konami released a game called Beat Mania. Uh, yeah. It had but. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. <laughs> it had a controller that came with it. It had buttons and a turntable. So you would turn the turntable and hit the buttons, um, mm. which is a little bit of a sort of, uh, what is it, foreshadowing for some of the stuff that uh, Rock Band, the people who, uh, who did Rock Band a bit later, um, yeah. did, or rather ha harmonics did. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, in then in 1998, Dance Dance Revolution came out. In Huge, Japan. the prequel to Sekiro. <laughs> Sekiro's prequel. <laughs> uh, this blew up in Japanese arcades. Uh, it did absolutely insane numbers. They had all sorts of uh, you know versions and languages, ripoffs and spin-offs. Like if you go to the Wikipedia page for Dance Dance Revolution and look at all the various versions, you scroll for a, a time. Fuck. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been to an arcade without a Dance Dance Revolution thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. The they're different. I think they're a totally different vibe to the ones that are in Australia compared to being in Japan and seeing how people interact with rhythm games there. But right, um, still, they are very popular. Um, then in 1999, uh, uh, oh God, what have I written? This is nonsense. <laughs> I'm reading like my notes here, and it's just like. Release arcade cabs in US for DDR. Okay, so it looks as if whoever was releasing these Dance Dance Revolution arcades released in the US and the US loved it. So the year after, basically, they just oh went, went global. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. This is this is a great insight into the mind of, like, Preparation Joe, where you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. future Joe will be able to turn that into something entertaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just read these words in sequence in your mind before you speak them, but no. No, this time I'm speaking them in sequence. Oh um, and so, yeah, it was so popular that um, the people making the cabinets couldn't keep up. So they, you know, they had all sorts of Whoa. issues with like, yeah, the, the shipping of the cabinets. And it was, yeah, it was just a big deal. Then mm. in uh, 2001, Namco released Taiko no Tatsujin, which is the drumming Taiko game. Oh, yep, 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 yep. Um, and it's just a rhythm game set to Japanese songs. Um, I don't think... Uh, Taiko ever saw a like a proper release in the West, um, though I'm sure you know there's like Taiko games and stuff like that that you can play. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're less likely to go to like you know in what is it called Insanity? No, Infinity or wh whatever the arcades are called here, mm -hmm. and uh, and see a Taiko drum. It's just not a not a Western thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, then in 2005, Dance Dance Revolution uh, released its Disney mix, which was sign of the times you know like rhythm games becoming more and more popular disney was now interested in doing a version of dance dance revolution mm, yep. yep yep they yep. also released a dance dance revolution mario mix which is a game where you are mario and you dance battle everyone in the mushroom kingdom it's wild nice shit that actually sounds like a sick time yeah yeah apparently it's not great but the songs are good hell yeah i can yeah. i can get behind that i as long as like toad has a shining moment in a song god that like why why did they decide on that voice he just he just sounds like a drowning lizard being eaten by a dead cat it's just an yeah. incredible voice yeah yeah speaking of mario did you see the new mario trailer uh i did not the new mario movie trailer no, <laughs> okay. no. You, don't, you don't need to see it it's fine yeah i can't say i'm that interested yeah. <laughs> it it's... seems you know it's it's a kid's movie yeah 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 uh maybe it's just because i'm on like animation land where i'm like oh illumination's making a new movie and it's mario right um, right two of my interests sort of become one in this instance but yeah anyway um and, and uh, wait and and so what are your what are your thoughts is it gonna oh, be hot hot garbage or is the animation tight as hell 
it i mean the animation side is hell it's illumination they they, they know their stuff but um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know if it's gonna be any any good it looks like chris pratt on the voice of mario is just such a weird pick dude like <laughs> no, yeah i don't know get get someone else uh, that's funny yeah visually it looks cool and bowser looks great and donkey they showed donkey kong in this and uh yeah he looks pretty cool too sick yeah um anyway so that was 2005 then in 2006 sony sony releases ddr supernova on ps2 and so this is sort of like you know the sony's getting involved with all of this stuff and uh the playstation 2 is the most one of the most popular consoles ever sold and then yep. releasing a dance dance on it in 2006 sort of yeah, this was like, okay, here we are at the peak of the dance dance in the West, and uh, it's pretty exciting. Yep, yep. Um, so, um, next up is the... This is this is where sort of Guitar Hero lore steps in. Oh, yep. Um, so, um, originally, Harmonix, which is the dev studio behind Guitar Hero, uh-huh. um, was two dudes. They founded Harmonix. And uh, originally, they were trying to make a improv music game. So they used like the joystick on a PC, and you would like move it around this interface, and uh, released on CD. And the game was called Axe, and it sucked, sucked hard, man. Uh, <laughs> they reportedly only sold three hundred copies of this Oof. game. <laughs> Oof. God they damn. Were, yeah, yeah. They were like, okay, this sucks. They went to Japan to see what karaoke was all about because at the time, karaoke was like a $10 billion industry and wasn't really being serviced by anyone in the video game industry apart from rhythm games, yeah. Um, which they didn't even really have a grasp on at the time. Um, they realized that their improv software axe, which was barely a game, was useless for karaoke and that they couldn't really you know, retrofit it to karaoke at all. Um, right, right. Because karaoke isn't about improv. It's about you know replicating a song. Uh, yeah. you don't really like make up your own words or whatever you just sing the fucking song yeah <laughs> um yeah yeah they, they were about to leave japan dejected and thinking they would have to close the studio uh when they saw a bunch of people crowded around a dance dance revolution machine and thought we should do this right uh, you know make their own spin on it uh mm-hmm. they made a slew of rhythm games right after that or a slew of adjacent rhythm games a SingStar competitor, not called SingStar, but it came out before SingStar. Mm. Uh, I can't remember. I don't. I didn't write down what it was called, but it was called like Vocal Coach or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's no one's buying Vocal Coach right. after sales. That's right. like you, grandma buys that shit accidentally when she's trying to learn how to sing. When she's trying to buy SingStar, she buys the wrong one. Um, so <laughs> yeah, uh, they released a, an iToy game. Remember iToy? Oh, yeah, bro. My rich friend had an eye toy. Yeah, it was always the rich friend who had the eye toy. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they released a game for that, which was sort of like balancing uh, left and right in order to, you know, send your character through rhythm gamey sort of targets. So you would lean left to hit the rhythm target and lean right to hit the rhythm target, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. Um, so, and then they teamed up with this group called Red Octane. Uh, and Red, o- Red Octane were the ones to make the Guitar Hero guitar, the plastic instrument. Oh, okay. Um, and it was heavily based on this 1998 game called Guitar Freaks. So, you know, they had the notes coming down, you hit them in sequence uh, to a song, uh, and they just sort of put their own spin on it. So I mean, that's, that's how you name a game, Guitar Freaks, like yeah. that. That interests me. I want to know more about Guitar Freaks. I want I want Vocal Coach to burn in a forest fire. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, shortly after that, Guitar Hero 2 came out in 2006. Oh, well, first Guitar Hero 1 came out in 2005, I believe, and then didn't do too good. It did okay. You know, it was pretty popular, but it was, like, widely regarded as, like, yeah, it was fine, you know. It I mean, released it- two... It's sorry. It it just it's a bit hard when there's a peripheral that's basically required for you to play the game, and it's you know yeah. it's it's no it's no small peripheral. Like it's a yeah. a mini guitar sized thing. Yeah, yeah. It, like it didn't do badly. It allowed them to make Guitar Hero Two, which came came out in two thousand six, and it did fantastic. Right. Um, Act- Activision ended up publishing it for the Xbox three hundred and sixty. Um, mm-hmm. 
Then in 2007, Red Octane gets bought out by Activision. So the company that makes the plastic instruments act gets sucked up by Activision. Right. Uh, they then team up with uh, the dev team Neversoft, the people who made Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Oh, and totally. I'll never forget the Neversoft logo, the fucking wire and the eye or whatever. And it's like... Yeah, yeah, totally. One of my favorite software company intros ever. Uh, and also Harmonix gets bought out as well. So that sort of splits the team up a bit. Harmonix gets bought out by MTV Games, <laughs> which I have okay. no idea what that is. And we'll never hear about them ever again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're about to hear about them shortly. Oh my yeah, God. Very, very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they made, uh, okay. So Harmonix gets bought out by MTV for the spicy price of, I think it was about a hundred billion dollars, hundred million. Right. Okay. So, you know, the, the two original Harmonix boys, 50 mil split, not too bad for, for pretty successful couple of games, Guitar Hero 1 and 2. Um, totally. Especially after selling 300 copies of the first game. Like that's, yeah, you know, they're doing unless, good. unless you've got like a pretty solid financial background, that, that's usually the ruiner of dreams. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, um, Neversoft and Activision then go on to release... Guitar Hero 3 Legends of Rock, and it makes over $1 billion. Huge. Which at the time, yeah, I know, right? Which at the time, according to Activision, was the first game in history to do that. Wow. Wow. Rock Band 3. Oh, oh, wait. Guitar Hero 3? Guitar Hero 3, yeah. Wow. No shit. I mean, bro, like we we had Guitar Hero 3 guitars at school. Yeah. You know, like that game was fucking everywhere in yep. in the late noughties. Yeah, yeah. It was extremely popular. It rated extremely well as well. It was like hundreds across the board, you know, five out of five, ten out of ten. It was just like widely regarded as one of the best games of all time. No shit. Uh, and th- that's the one with the Dragon Force song, yeah? Through the Fire and Flames, I think it's called. I believe so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, MTV Games and Harmonix then released Rock Band in 2007. Um, and that was one of the weird ones. Cause that was like, you could buy, I can't remember how much it was. I think it was like $260 or something. And you got like all the plastic instruments, the drums, the bass, the mic and the guitar. Fucking hell. That's, I mean, that's a whole console right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they continued to go on and, and make various incantations of, or, or iterations of these games. Harmonix made 10 games in the, um, rock band series. Mm-hmm. Um, and Activision made 20 more Guitar Hero style games. Uh, and I think it's, it's listed as 20 more, but I think they're just, you know, DLCs, add-ons, various other right, things that, right. you could, that you could buy that were under the title of uh, Guitar Hero. Yeah, they're not like solid mainline titles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, between two, the year 2000 and 2009, five out of the top 20 best-selling games in the US by dollar sales were rhythm games, including three out of the top five. So this was sort of like, right? This was sort of like the golden era for rhythm games, this period between 2000 and 2009 when, you know, all of this Guitar Hero rock band stuff was truly popping off. Dance Dance Revolution was popping off. Um, Yeah, everyone was getting their their juicy game of fingers all over the rhythm games and publishers were soaking it up. Um, (laughs) Juicy game of fingers. I've just got this image of like this fucking... Vis- viscous ectoplasma kind yeah, of thing yeah. <laughs> dripping off everyone's elongated fingers. Yeah, good image. Yeah. Good image. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, and so, yeah, that, that after that, it, sta- it started to slow down a little bit. Um, and it, it was around, you know, 2007, 8, 9 that it started to get a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then uh, they stopped making the games. Um, Officially, but but they kept releasing DLC. So there was some, I think it was uh, uh, Guitar Hero 3 that had ongoing songs and stuff being added to it up until 2020. So you right. could continue to get updated songs. And I guess, you know, people are always releasing new songs. And so it was just like always new packs for you to buy and play. That's, I mean, that's a very smart revenue stream for yeah. them to kind of take hold of. Yeah. 
Um, and then there's a couple of other mentions in here that I have. Um, not a couple, there's actually quite a few. So there's Osu, which is released. I mentioned this in our um, third episode, I believe. Right. This was released in 2007 and gained, gained peak popularity in the 2010s. And it's still really popular. Uh, you basically mouse over circles and hit buttons on your keyboard in time with the music while anime oh. girl pictures in the background uh, smile at you. <laughs> I do remember you mentioning that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is oh. a really community-driven game. You know, people make charts for the clicking, and um, there's a whole you know peripheral. You can you can buy like keyboards that have three keys on them, specifically designed for playing Osu. So yeah, sick. Um, Clone Hero came out uh, in this time as well, around 2008, 9, 10. I can't remember, it doesn't say when, but there you go. Clone Hero is just user-generated charts of Guitar Hero. So you oh. would buy, yeah, like an unofficial Guitar Hero guitar peripheral. Yeah. Uh, smash that bad boy into your PC and start playing some user-generated charts of Guitar Hero songs. Right. Um, and so, yeah, sort of sustained a little bit of popularity as it, as it sort of died off officially. Yeah. Um, Friday Night Funkin' was a... <laughs> See, there are great names out there, people. Yeah. We, don't, we don't need to be calling our games fucking Fancy Farming Sim or some shit like that. There That's are good right. names out there. You got Friday Night Funkin'. Um, this was a D-pad <laughs> Newgrounds era rhythm game. Oh, um, no way. Yeah, which actually reached fairly um, large amounts of popularity. It had a huge modding scene and... Uh, People made like entirely new visuals for the game, and you know, wow. released songs on the game, and it was it was really cool. Uh, definitely worth checking it out. Have we done an episode of modding? I feel like we mentioned modding a lot, and it's really interesting to me, but I can't remember if we actually talked about it at length or not. Uh, you know, we mentioned it in a reasonable amount of length in our um, online storefronts episode. Oh yeah, I think Talking you're about right. Talking a bit there, yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. All right, sorry, I digress. Go on. I might have mentioned it in the speed running episode too. Anyway, we, we yeah we talk about it a lot. It might be worth doing a topic on that uh, one day. Hell yeah. Um, uh, these days, r rhythm games tend to struggle a little bit as a genre. Um, mm. There's just kind of not a huge demand for them as there used to be. Uh, VR brought us Beat Saber in 2018, and that was a really attractive reason to get a VR headset. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it is a rhythm game. Um, the problem with that, that I found with Beat Saber was like in order to access like all the songs that you would want to play, you would need to like jailbreak your headset and like, you know, get the unofficial software on there in order to actually play those songs. Otherwise, you have to right. pay. It's like $20 for a song. It's like ludicrously expensive to just play what? a few songs. What the fuck? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, okay, no one's going to do that. They're just going to all jailbreak their headsets. <laughs> um, just Dance came out in 2009, which is an Ubisoft game and sort of not really a rhythm game either. You just move your body into the shape of the person on the screen, sort of like how they did back in bloody 1987 with that dance studio game for the NES. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um... Then uh, there's the indie scene, which is actually reviving it a little bit in recent years. Um, there's a, a game called Melatonin, which is releasing this month, I believe. Oh, which is no like, shit. Yeah, which is a bit of a sleepy, lo-fi, uh, aesthetic rhythm game um, where you play through a series of themed levels in someone's dreams. Oh, fuck. That sounds cool. Yeah, the demo was out. I played it a month or so ago. It was great. It was really cool. Uh, quite, ch quite challenging as rhythm games can be. Mm. Um, you yeah. had Crypt, Crypt of the Necro Dancer, which did fairly well. And uh, they got so popular that they released the Cadence of Hyrule version of that game, which is sanctioned by Nintendo and had Link and Zelda and stuff in it. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Then you had Thumper, of course. Who could forget Thumper? Yeah, Thumper. Oh, man. That, I think the the difficulty curve on thumper was wild that yeah. that game gets fucking hard yeah. <laughs> like that's that's definitely the sekiro of rhythm games you know what i'm saying <laughs> yes yes um and uh yeah i mean rhythm heaven for the nintendo ds is actually one of my favorite rhythm games I never had a chance to play it on the actual device, but I've played um, emulated versions of the game. And right. I love watching playthroughs of it. The songs are fantastic. Uh, yeah, Rhythm Heaven Fever is probably the best one out there. So go check that Go check that bad boy out. Cool. Um, and then, yeah, the final one here that I've got is Tempo Labs, 
which is an Australian dev team making a Rhythm Heaven style game called Bits and Bops, which looks absolutely fantastic. So I'm keen for that one to come out, though I have no idea when. But yeah, right. put, uh, put Bits and Bops on your, on your radar because I'm, I'm really keen to see how that one goes. I see. It's so interesting to hear, like, new rhythm games coming out now because it's like, I mean, maybe I'm just unimaginative but i can't just i can't see rhythm games having that many iterations you know where it's like you look at a genre as vast as like i don't fucking know action adventure or open world and it's just like yeah okay this genre is going to be around forever but it's like with rhythm games you know you got the music rhythm games you got the dancing ones you got the kind of weird indie thumper-esque ones yeah like where's it gonna go from here but yeah maybe Maybe we just need the uh, the kind of hyperdemon experience where developers do really <laughs> weird and wacky things with the genre we we're already familiar with, and that makes it enticing. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned right at the start with Sekiro, like I think imbu- imbuing parts of other games with rhythm elements is always really mm. cool. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing that like because all those FromSoft games have the really kind of fundamental rhythm elements where like a boss fight is really just a series of move sets at random that you need to learn and like that's how you approach a rhythm game right you like get to a new level or a new song and you're like all right i need to i need to learn how to do this first before i'm going to be yeah. any good at it and Sekiro just added the ability to counter um the bosses in time with, with their rhythm and and that kind of made it way more of a rhythm game than than any of their prior entries yeah totally um yeah th- you even had that thing of like they would do the same attack in in sequence you know it'd be like the most famous example is those spider dudes who like have the long claws and they like hit you in in a really rhythmic sense it's like da 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 or something and, and yeah yeah and, and i would after you blocked it you like yeah you know how to block it in time because of the rhythm exactly and like i would i would say that out loud you know when i was playing that game i'd be like all right here it comes you know and it was just like this this is definitely a rhythm game yeah totally um so yeah go go play some rhythm games y'all they're uh they're like a underserviced but very cool style of video game i think that um that needs some modern day love because yeah i think we're like i've said in all previous episodes all the time is that we're kind of starved for interesting weird stuff these days and i think Mm. uh rhythm games definitely definitely is is a part of the, the the puzzle to um fix that issue yeah yeah agreed um so yeah that's that's all i got for rhythm games dude that's i'm all out i'm all out of notes Shit. Well, that was sick. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, if if you've got no final thoughts, um, I forgot to mention towards the beginning of the episode, we're going to do our top five of the year uh, in a couple of weeks. So if you want to send us an email, you want to be a part of that, you want to tell us about your favorite game, our, our kind of uh, prerequisites are really straightforward. There are really no rules. Um, but because... Well, it's just for me, really. I've just not played that many games that have come out this year. And so our, our It's Almost the Weekend Game of the Year slash Top 5 is going to be games that you haven't played before, games that you played for the first time this year. That's it. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, send, send us an email at itsalmosttheweekendpod at gmail.com if you've got a list or if you've got a favourite game you want to talk about. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that episode in a couple of weeks and i'm real excited i uh i i played so many fucking good games this year <laughs> yeah and yeah dude I'm, we got back into it in a big way yeah i'm i'm especially excited to hear your list because you know i i did go on a fair few rants so there's probably <laughs> not gonna be that many surprises in my list but you've just kind of quietly been like yeah, Hyper Demon's really good, and some of these other games <laughs> are amazing. But I have, I, you know, I want to hear, yeah, I want to yeah. hear you get down in the weeds with that shit. <laughs> okay, yeah, catch me in the weeds in a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, and it, also if people ended up playing um, Death's Door or they have played any Sayonara Wild Hearts and want to talk about it as well, feel free to write in the same email address. It's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com. and yeah, mm, we'd boom. love to hear you talk about that stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I did a really petty thing this week. I, uh, I was doubting myself after our Death Door episode and I actually booted up Death Door again. And I was like, am I, <laughs> am I, is Joe right? And no. I was like, no, it's the children it who are the wrong. the children who, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I got, I got in and I was like, oh my God, these controls are so smooth and responsive. Like I was just like, <laughs> I was immediately having a good time and I was like, ah, oh, just leave it. There's nothing yeah. to be done. I can't be saved. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, well, always, uh, always love talking through video games on this pod with you. Um, we hope everyone has a really lovely weekend and that you play uh, some great video games. We'll catch you when it's almost the weekend again. Hell yeah. Goodbye. Bye.